Howdy, hey! Welcome to the Texans Take. Okay, so we're back. Um, so as far as current events, we were looking at uh, the uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas. 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 Yeah. Arkansas. Well, I mean, you've got the state of Kansas, right? And then you have our Kansas. And then you have our Kansas. Not if your you're Texans, Kansas. then it's my Kansas. It's our <laughs> Kansas, you know? Uh, but anyway, I'll just read this. Where, where's this from? This is from Newsmax. Uh, on t- uh, Asa Hutchinson on Tuesday signed into law legislation banning, nearing, banning nearly all abortions in the state. A sweeping measure that supporters hope will force the U.S. Supreme Court to revisit its landmark Roe v. Wade decision but opponents vow to block before it takes effect later this year. So, and this is something that we've seen a lot recently. We've seen um, a lot of states and governors. Of states? Of states, not stakes. Oh. I'm the governor of stakes. But we've seen a lot of them uh, standing up against abortion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think it was this blue wave that's cut through since uh, uh, Biden has uh, usurped the presidency. And I think that people who are right of center are starting to stand a little bit firmer on what they believe. And... Um, that's just what I see. And I'm not saying that all of them are. I think there's a lot of... Anyway. And, I mean, Arkansas, for the most case, from what I know of people that are from there, I mean, that's kind of a Christian stronghold. Yeah. You know, so it, it's not overly shocking that this is something that's coming out of Arkansas. Yeah. But, um, but you also see places random like cities becoming abortion safe spaces or whatever they're called or sanctuary cities. Yeah. Sanctuary cities. That's it. And I'm not even sure what that hundred percent entails. Um, but you're seeing a lot of those popping up, a lot of them in Texas and, um, a couple other places. Um, so anyway, all I can say is that's an answer to prayer. Uh, there's a lot of just, political unrest going on and there's a lot of stuff that we don't see that's going on i am certain but i will say that one thing that hard times does is it builds stronger men and that's something that we definitely need Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) And have needed and have needed and one thing that we're seeing right now is a surge in strong women um and oftentimes that comes before a surge in strong men Mm -hmm. um and so, anyway, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's, I always, I'm an optimist, an eternal optimist. You know, every time things are really bad. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, you know what? But I have a little glass of wine, so <laughs> how bad can it be, right? God's up there. He's in power. You know. You are, you are the eternal optimist. Yeah. And so, even, you know, anyway, I could go on. God dropped a little too much of that into you. Yeah, into the he, a little too much. Sweet when he was sauce, stirring that up, he dropped it in there for a second. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. No, the cap Whoops. fell off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I optimism, and then the cap falls off. I'm sorry, Stuart. Oh, 
Nobody gonna like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, we had a camp out where um, I was in I was in Cub Scout, uh, Boy Scouts. I was in Cub Scouts too. I started when I was six. I was you a were tiger. A cubby cub? I was a Cubby Cub. Yeah, I was six years I old. I was a Cubby Cub, and I was a short little fat tiger dude. And the tiger dude. Um, son, I I got the arrow of light, which is the highest rank in Cub Scouts. Ah! Which is the only badge that transfers into Boy Scouts, and so um, when I transferred into Boy Scouts, I actually I actually got Eagle, so I, I'm an Eagle Scout. Now I don't associate with the Boy Scouts anymore. I don't I don't um, I don't stand with them as an organization. I think they have uh, been deteriorating for years, and they finally uh, pulled out a gun and pulled the trigger um, on themselves. And so I, I don't, I don't stand at the Boy Scouts anymore. I really don't, because I don't think they stand for Boy Scouts anymore. Um, but all that to say, when we were in Boy Scouts, we did a lot of camping trips. Boy, I love camping. Uh, but I love camping when it's perfect. If it's raining outside, I hate camping. Yeah. If it's snowing outside, I <laughs> like it for the first half a day. Uh, if we can't get a fire started, then I just want to go home. <laughs> I've been uh, on some miserable camp. I can, I can stand the misery and I'll, I'll get through it. And boy, when I get a cloud over my head, everybody, you can feel that, you know, the whole world kind of gets a little bit grayer, you know, it's like Stuart's unhappy, you know, we should all be unhappy. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. But anyway, um, we've lost our optimist, man I, down, I, man down. Right, right. Whenever I, uh, anyway, but, uh, so we had this one camp out. Uh, it was a good camp out. Very good camp out. Well, my dad, many of them. my dad was making stew for everybody. And it was good too. He's it big stew. S T E W not S T U. My name is spelled S-T-U-A-R-T. Lots of people, actually, my dad thought he was spelling. My dad thought, you know, oh, when I name my son, I'm going to give him the old spelling of the name. The royal spelling. Eh, eh, eh. Nope. He found out, oh, about, what, five years ago? Stuart's actually the S-T-U-A-R-T is the newer spelling of the name. Still the royal name, but the newer spelling. So dad is like, eh, whatever. It's royal, whatever. You know, the Royal House of Stewarts. But anyway, S-T-E-W is like beef stew, which I've been called before. But uh, I've also been called stew beef. We call it a lot of things. Anyway, so Dad is making beef stew and nice big cow chunks in there. It was wonderful. Uh, taters and veggies and, oh, it was good stew. I knew it was all, it was made from scratch. When I mean... By made by made from scratch was like oh we're cutting pieces off the cow out there. Yeah, it took a while to grill the cow over <laughs> the spit, you know. But no, um, anyway. Hold still, Betsy. I gotta cut another piece off. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so Dad is pouring in the salt and spices, and it's like, ooh, this is gonna be really good. He was pouring in the pepper, and the lid came off. And the whole thing went in. And Dad was like, oh. Oh, this could be spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, the chili was finished completely. We all ate the chili. Some people ate a lot more than others. What I mean is some people ate a lot less than others. 
Um, but for those of us who actually like a little spice, a little pepper belly, it was a really good chili. I mean, a, a really good uh, um, stew. stew, really good stew. But yeah, it was um, <laughs> a little spicy. But that's okay. Um, I don't even know where I started from that conversation. A little, a little too much optimism. Optimism, yes. So I enjoyed that. that was good. Spilled a little much in there. Yeah. But anyway, so abortion in the world is still going on. It's still a heinous blot. The thing that really makes me mad, the thing that makes me so mad is just the, uh, the quote-unquote Christians that get behind abortion and support it. I hate that. It really makes me mad, and it's a righteous anger, and I know that. Um, and it can be, it can be, it can be worshipped. It can that, uh, and what I mean is, you know, you can hate something, a specific sin, so much that you lose sight of God and His grace. And I don't think I do that. I probably do to some extent. Like David. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway. Um, <laughs> funny i should say that yeah yeah so all that to say is i you know i hate abortion and that's a good thing it's a good thing to hate abortion and it's good to see good men rising up and at least putting a stop or a hindrance to it mm-hmm. um and so thank you, Asa Hutchinson. The Texans take loves you. We want you to keep. We don't know anything about your other policies. We really don't. But you're trying to slow down abortion or stop it completely. Good. Keep doing that. I don't know what else you're doing, so I can't say anything else about that. But right. <laughs> you might that's, be a, a, that's a good start for I us. Mean, he, might be, he might actually be a, you know, a terrible governor with you know one, one good thing on his resume. I don't know. But that is a good thing. So. Hopefully he's a he's a good example for others in that regard. I don't know anything about his you know other law keeping. I have no idea. But as far as abortion goes, you're doing good. Keep it up. Uh, and all you other governors out there, we hope that you follow suit and uh, put bans and restrictions and uh, let's get rid of abortion. Uh, and maybe God will smile on us a little bit brighter. You know. Um, we need to repent as a country for abortion, just the number of lives that have been yeah. murdered over the last, I guess, what, 50 years now? Roe versus mm-hmm. Wade was in the 70s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, so it's almost, it was almost 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Just terrible. But anyway, on that note, um, not too much going on with us. Um I uh, just got back from South Carolina. I was down there with uh, some oh, friends. Oh, yeah, you were at the photo shoot. Yeah, it was a lot more than just photos. Oh? Um, it was a video shoot. Oh. Yeah, so there's a movie that's coming out. Uh, it's oh. not actually It's not actually coming out. We hope it'll come out. You hope it'll come out? Um, but uh, we've got a good friend that's in the movie industry, and um, he's actually got a school. He runs a school. Uh, the chicken and cheese? Uh, yeah, the chicken and cheese. Yeah, he runs a theater school. Um, but anyway, he's a cameraman. Uh, looks like Rod Stewart. Yes, he does. He does look <laughs> like Rod Stewart. He's got. If amazing, Rod Stewart looked better, he's got amazing that's hair. That's what he looks like. 
He uh, does. He really has envious hair. He he does. I look at him, and, and only going, only some people can have that no, hair and no. actually look good. And, and he probably wears it better than Rod Stewart does. He probably Truthfully, does. Yeah. He, he's a better looking guy than Rod Stewart, but that's always who he makes me think of. And yeah. I've only met him twice in person. Yeah. It's just it's one of those. But he's he's definitely got an air about him. He does. He's got a theater air about him too, which is interesting. But he's got uh, he's he's got some great character, and uh, anyway, so there's a a horror movie Ooh. that he's wanting to produce or not produce, but direct. He's got he's got a story for it, and I don't know if it's his story or somebody else's, but he's the one that's you know trying to. See, put now it that together. shocks me. I don't see him as the horror type. Well, uh, if there's a there's a good reason, and that is a he's got an he he thinks he has a good idea. Okay, well, that's um, all, that's and, all ideas and B, um, with everybody staying home from COVID and stuff like that, and with um, movies not getting produced, not getting made as much, um, there is a, a business idea behind a horror movie, because if you make a, a horror movie, low budget, make it low budget, get it made, get it done, get it out, then everybody's sitting at home, not doing anything, mm -hmm. will see that horror movie and be like, ooh, I want to get a rise, you know? I want to I want to get a little bit of adrenaline pumping through me, you know? They go mm -hmm. watch a horror movie. And so they'll watch it. Mm -hmm. And so you get high views. Right. Okay? And when you spent low money, and you get high views, and it might not be, you know... Um, might not be a blockbuster or anything, but you'll make your money back. Right. And so it's a business idea. You know, he's like, you know, he's got a good idea. Uh, it'll be fun. Um, and people will watch it. It's I like candy. It's this. like candy, like you know? Um, and so, yeah, uh, he's going to try to keep it, uh, low budget and try to get, you know, try to get some. Not quick cash, but I guess easy cash in a sense. And I think it's a great idea. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of like that whenever I'm just sitting at home doing nothing. It's not the movie that I've seen a thousand times that I want to watch. Right. It's that weird oddball, what in the world is that? Let's just see, you know. And I do that quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, it's it's a horror and um, he's there's nothing, nothing's been done on the movie at all. What he's trying to do is he's trying to put together uh a scene um kind of a dream sequence uh for the movie and then get it out to people uh you know who will throw some cash at him and try to get the movie produced oh is that not what you want you want me to throw cash at you yeah well i wouldn't mind people throwing cash at me um but he, he needs some cash for his movie and so anyway he's trying to get somebody to um uh, i'm trying to think of the word there's is a good word. Promote? There. Promote? No, not promote. I'm trying to get somebody to... Produce? I guess produce is what it is, to, to produce his film, to give him the money that he needs to make it. Um, but anyway, we had a good time. Uh, took some cool shots. It was kind of a World War One themed uh, Greek, Greek mythology. Um, shot uh, a couple of scenes. My dad was there, and he got his head chopped off and pulled out of a bucket. I mean, it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Now I'm intrigued. I know, right? That's all I had to say. <laughs> you have piqued my interest. I have. Oh, I know boy. I have. Yeah, so, that didn't anyway. take long. You were just like, here, let's see if I can. Well, heads were chopped off, thrown in buckets. Oh, I, I ate more fruit than I care to care to think about. Uh, in one of the scenes, he was like, you know, eat voraciously because, you know, it's it's Greek mythology, right? It's kind of horror, whatever. Okay. And, you know, I'm supposed to be one of the gods, Poseidon, and um, I'm. Uh, oh, you were Poseidon. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so I was a German naval officer. Oh, interesting. Who was also Poseidon? Well, World War One themed, right? Oh. World War One. It's a dream sequence, so you can kind of do whatever you want, right? Right. Okay. But anyway, so that was really cool. Anybody out there who's got money, come throw it at um, at this guy, and uh, let's get this movie going because I want to watch it now. I want it to be big. Yeah, when's it going to be produced? Then my name will get on there. I don't know. When's production going to be? So he needs to give him, give him some money so he can produce it, so he can make it. That's the way it works. I know. Yeah, so anyway, we had a good time. That's now what's I'm going interested. on with me. Uh, so I played dress up over the weekend and had some pictures taken. Um, so anyway, we're going to take a little bit of break here, and uh, we'll come back and start reading the scripture. Right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. All right. All right. You ready? Right. Backy back. Okay. So doing a little bit of a breakup. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about that. From the the normal uh, Leviticus is not as interesting as we would like it to be. Good there's information. A lot of law, law, law. But law, there law. is, uh, you know, there's a lot of monotony to it, and I don't know if anyone's ever just like painted a wall but just pretend like painting the same wall forever for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> that's what yeah. leviticus feels like so we're gonna paint a different wall with a different color for a little bit yeah. it's god's <laughs> word so it's it's important right and it still applies to us it is but it's kind of a passive application just because we're not under all of those laws anymore um, the same God made them, but the same God gave us a new covenant. All of those laws were pointing to Jesus, and he came. And so uh, now everything that we would normally sacrifice on fire, uh, it's now in the heart. And we, um, you know, uh, we can offer it straight up to Jesus uh, or to the Father through Jesus. So anyway, so... Uh, Brig was talking and he was like, David, we need to talk about David. And I was like, what? Okay, David, great. Because we do talk about <laughs> him a lot. We do talk about him a lot. You know? and and maybe so some like, more detailed ah, context would Yeah, be nice. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot about David. I mean, As a, How did I put it? The can of worms that is David? The can of worms <laughs> that is David, yes. He's quite the can of worms. Um, but he he's, he's very helpful to us as Christians to be able to see forgiveness and mistakes right. and recovery from those mistakes yeah, cause in such is, a different light. David is one of my Bible heroes. I love the guy. He is. He's, he's amazing. He's so he's perfect so cool. because he makes these mistakes and God still goes, yep, you're still my guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he makes some big mistakes too. He screwed too. up a lot, okay, yeah. but yeah. you know what? I still love you and we're, we're going to work on this together. Yeah. It's kind of, I always thought it was kind of funny that you know, you know, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, 
killed off her husband. Um, and the thing that I thought was kind of funny about that was the fact that, you know, he saw her first in a bath, and her name is Bathsheba. Ouch. Yeah. So, anyway, that's how I remembered who Bathsheba was, his little mnemonics. But anyway. Bathsheba. So, yeah, Bathsheba. Uh, if there was, I guess it wasn't a bubble bath, or it could have been Suds. Suds Sheba. Suds Sheba or Bubble Sheba. I don't know. Anyway. Bubble that's, Sheba. That's weird. Anyway, moving on here. So, we're talking about David here. Is that so, what they're talking about when they say the Queen of Sheba? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she had a bath. She became the bath. Sheba. Anyway, um, so looks like David uh, comes into the Bible in 1 Samuel 16. And so we're going to go ahead and start reading 1 Samuel 16. And we'll go through it. And uh, fortunately for all of our listeners and myself, the next chapter is David and Goliath, which is kind of like, you know, David is known for a lot of things, but Goliath is definitely the thing he's known best about. Because it's a story that we can all relate to. We all like to hear about the underdog winning, you know, uh, which is funny because David is not the underdog. There's nothing underdog about David. You know, he could have been a five-year-old, but God was behind him, lifting him up. And so there's not a thing that David couldn't do. And there could have been a thousand Goliaths, and David still would have slaughtered all of them if God wanted him to. So it's not David. David is not the focus of the story. God is, you know. And there's so many Bible characters that's like, oh, I love this guy. He's wonderful. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's not the point. <laughs> the point is Jesus. Okay, he's the point. Um, but anyway, that doesn't mean that we don't love our Bible characters and um, – uh, just don't worship them right you know? right look so, at them look at them like a and lesson. the whole david and goliath thing it's like you know we love david a lot but david couldn't have done a thing without god no so i mean anyway um well let's uh let's start reading uh ladies and gentlemen uh we come to you oh i'll go ahead and do the, the real way now the lord said to samuel ladies and gentlemen we come to you with the duck commander faith and family bible new king james version now now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? So, yeah, about that. little context here. So Saul was king, and Saul was uh, a good king, more or less. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of the, the ideal king. He was tall. He's the stereotypical king. Right, right, right. He, he's the guy that in a crowd you would say he looks like a king because he was tall, he was strong, uh, he had, you know, he was very masculine features, uh, just, you know, uh, the guyest guy out there, who you would want to lead you. He's you the know? man's man. Yeah, he's man's man. If he went out to battle with a big, a big old sword, you know, you'd want to follow him, you know. Um, but anyway... God made him king, but he's not the man that God wanted to be king. David hadn't come around again. Uh, 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 David had not come around yet, I guess. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so God gave Israel David as their king. Uh, uh, Saul as their king. And later he's going to 
take Saul away. And I think he might have even told Saul, you know, hey, man, you know, you're kind of king and all, but ain't going to be for long. Um, because I've got somebody who I actually want to be king. It's like, well, we've got a limited timeshare on this. Right, right. (laughs) So anyway, uh, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. <laughs> I mean, you know, valid reason. Right. Oftentimes, right. though, whenever somebody doubts God, God's like, dummy, shut up and do what I told like, you It is to. a notable reason. Um, I think it's just funny, you know, sometimes God's like, you know, yeah, you've got a good point, so do this. Other times God's like, look, dude, just do what I told you to. Shut up, you know. <laughs> Go about your merry way. Anyway, Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, Take your heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to go uh, to the sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So basically what he's saying is like, you know, hey, you know, I understand you don't want to die. That's fine. I don't want you to die either. But listen to me, okay? Um, go sacrifice. You're going to do that anyway. Just go sacrifice. And then just say, yo, Jesse, come sacrifice, come sacrifice to me, bruh. You know? And then you tell Saul, hey, I'm going to sacrifice this dude Jesse over here. It's going to be great, you know? So you go over there and, uh, and then you sacrifice. And then while you're over there, anoint David. That's the way to do it. So anyway, that's what he does. Seems like a good idea. Let's see. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Saul did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town went to Bethlehem. And the elders elders of the town trembled at his coming (laughs) and said, Do you come peacefully? Oh, my goodness. So... Must have been really strutting. Have y'all ever watched those BBC series? Poirot. Oh boy. He's not actually French, he's Belgian. But anyway, um, Also, aka the voice of Aslan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the focus on the family chronicles of Narnia. Which is hard to believe. It is hard to believe. When you listen but anyway, to anyway, David Suchet, yeah. So anyway, um brilliant actor. There's so many Poirot mysteries out there. Agatha Christie, by the way. Good Agatha Christie. So many Poirot mysteries out there where Poirot is trying to get away from the city. He's trying to get away from all of his mysteries, you know, all of the people dying around him. And so he goes to some party or something. or goes on vacation. And somebody always inevitably dies around him. And there's a mystery that he has to solve. It just always happens. It's like, okay, if you're smart, you will not invite Poirot to a birthday party. You will not invite Poirot it's to your home. It's the best worst luck You ever. will not invite him anywhere because anywhere he goes, somebody's going to die around him so that he can have a murder mystery, right? That's just the way it goes. So anyway, I think that 
Samuel is kind of like that because he's God's personal prophet. Mm-hmm. You know? And anywhere he goes, everybody who's there knows that God goes with him. And if there's any kind of reckoning, God's going to do it through Samuel. Yeah, kind of the same way he did with Nathan, yeah. too. So he's going to go around to people, you know, and Saul's, you know, I mean, Samuel's going to be like, hey, God told me that you people are evil and that half of you are going to die or whatever, so do that this way. Anyway, all I'm saying is that they don't really like the idea that Samuel's coming because it's like, look, dude, are you going to cause us trouble? Is yeah, God coming to do something that. to us through you? Because yeah. we've seen what God's done through you. And, and we're not exactly through uh, Great God, no, but we don't really want to be punished for whatever reason, okay? <laughs> and so anyway, uh, they, they understand the power that, that, Saul, that uh, Samuel has. Um, but it's only through God. Uh, so anyway... Do, 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 do. Ah, do you come peacefully? And he said, uh, yeah, peacefully, yes. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came and he looked at, Eli, at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. <laughs> That's funny. So Saul, uh, Samuel, I keep saying Saul. Samuel looked at Eliab and is like, Dude, look at that guy. That's got to be who God's talking about. Yeah, that looks like him right there. And God's like, Hey, Samuel, it's not him. Okay. <laughs> Did you not listen to me? I said I would point out to you. I will tell you. This is not a guess. This is not sure. It's not a guessing game, okay? Uh, so uh, it's like you sitting there going, "It's this this one." Yeah, I would have told you it's the guy with the cowboy hat. Okay, I would have <laughs> said that. All right, uh, but I didn't. So let me tell you. Don't just go guessing around. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, he might have a big cowboy hat on, but I know how many cattle he has. It ain't much. Um, so Jesse called... Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen, chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Saul said to... And Sa Saul, that gummit, I keep saying Saul. It's Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse... Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. Good man, keeping sheep. <laughs> and Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. <clears throat> Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. 
Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Are you getting a Joseph type thing here? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I am. But anyway, (laughs) so we got this whole David and Goliath thing coming on pretty soon. And there's a lot of people that are like, you know, ah, David, you're kind of a little dude, right? You're a little man. Maybe you don't ought to be going out there and playing with the big boys, you know? Maybe go tend to your sheep and just do your own thing. Um, But the interesting thing is, is just before that, Samuel comes all the way over from the big city out here and says, Yo, Jess, dude, God's kind of, you know, sent me out here to go pick a dude to be a new dude, king dude. And he's got Jesse passing people in front of him, in front of Saul, uh, Samuel. And there's this big ordeal here where Samuel says, Hey, this David kid, he's the one, you know. Um, what does it say? Samuel took the horn of oil. And this is, like, everybody's there. Everybody is there. President accounted for. Uh, took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So everybody is seeing what's going on. The Spirit of the Lord is on David right now from this day on. And so... There's going to be a transformation. David's going to go from, you know, just that little shepherd boy. You're going to see him growing in Christ, basically. Right. Um, uh, And so, anyway, everybody's witnessing this. And so, I don't know why there should be any surprise that David's just like, yo, this Goliath dude, I think I can take him. You know, and it's just everybody's constantly doubting God is what it is. Everybody's it is. doubting God, you know. Uh, so anyway, let's keep reading. A distressing spirit troubles Saul. Ah, I wonder what that is. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants, who are before you, to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So, you know, hey, God's got you down, but we're going to go find some dude who can play the harp, and it's going to be great. You'll feel good, you know. When God's got you down, the harp will bring you up, man. Got like a little harpy thing going on. You were talking about Greeks earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Saul saw, so Saul said to his servants, "Say that again." This is Doctor Seuss, man. <laughs> so Saul said to his servants, uh, "Sip several uh, six six sip six <laughs> cups of several." Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so Saul said to his servants, "Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me." And then one of the know. servants answered and said, "Look." I have seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person at that. 
and the Lord is with him. No, dun 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 dun. That's so funny the way that works, the way God works. Mm -hmm. Saul's all down and distressed because the spirit, God's spirit, left him and went into David. And so Saul's like, you know, ooh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't like it. Somebody make me happy. And so his servants are like, you know, hey, I know this kid over here who's great. He can play you the harp and he'll sound good. And it's like, that's the dude that God's spirit went into. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of rubbing it in his face is what it is. It's He's uh, rubbing it's it God's in his face. Sense of humor. It, it's hilarious is what it is. Uh, the irony. Um, therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said send me your son David who is with the sheep and Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son David to Saul so David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer then Saul said to Jesse saying please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit of, the, of God was upon Saul, that David would take a... Uh, and so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Which is interesting, because it seems like it is God who's kind of like, you know bringing these blues on King Saul and having David come in and, you know, send it away. It's interesting. Bringing it in, taking it away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what it sounds like to me is that, you know, Saul is not David's, is not God's man. David is. Right. And so uh, you can kind of see David is slowly replacing Saul. Mm -hmm. definitely in God's eyes um, and uh, God's judging Saul and will slowly and will be judging Saul a lot more um, and so his wrath is diminished whenever David plays the harp uh, so it's kind of interesting a little bit of intercession going on with David it's it's um, it's interesting, is what it is, because anytime we have intercession, it's because God is upset with us; He's angry, and so Jesus intercedes from us because we are sinning against Him, uh, and so Jesus intercedes, and uh, we get forgiveness through Jesus, and the Father is appeased, and so here what we're seeing, we're kind of seeing that same appeasing. Mm -hmm. God, uh, uh, God's wrath is being diminished whenever. David plays the harp uh, for Saul. I, I don't know. I've never even thought of it that way before, but this kind of seems what, like what's going on. It's kind of out from one and into the other. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, that's chapter 16. You really hate to be either Samuel. of them in that moment. Yeah. You'd hate to be David going, yeah, I know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. Which is so funny because we'll read later that David's not, you know, well, we'll read that later. David knows that Saul was appointed by God, and so he sees his blood, Saul's blood, as royal and kind of holy in that sense. Right. 
And so David never, ever, I don't think there's a single time in the whole David story that he ever lifts a finger against Saul. No, he doesn't. So, anyway. Well, I don't think that anyone would, <laughs> no one would say that he, he shouldn't. Yeah. You know, because yeah. Saul treated him pretty pitifully. Yeah. You know, he had his highs same, and his lows. Yes, sure. but at the same time, you know, David did have that understanding that, you know, hey, he was appointed. So it is his ball field. Yeah. Yeah. But right there, we're kind of, we're going to at a breaking spot right here, and we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> All right, we are b -b 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 -back. We are b -b -b back. So this next chapter here, 17, is a big one. So, this is the chapter. Yeah, this is the David and Goliath chapter. I think we're going to spread this over uh, this podcast and uh, Thursdays um, just because it's a big, big, big chapter. Now, we'll be having there. Trent on Thursdays. So oh, will we? Yeah, okay. so it'll be... Well, we might... He's got some good stuff. He got fired up on the phone call. Oh, good again. I, I called to, to invite him on, and he got, he got all fired up, and so... I was kind of, he was talking like, I don't know what you want me to talk about, but, and he always does this. He's, he'll, he'll say something and, you know, we'll get to talking. He goes, well, Brig, I tell you, man, I've been doing this or I've been talking about this and he just, he gets lit up again with something. And, and I think, uh, his, his topic for the most part is going to be how Christians should live. I like that. As, you know, something that he's been going on around with the Sunday school class mm. and how, how Christians should live and how they're not living. You know, yeah. everybody wants to look and, and feel great in a pew, but are they really living up to what God has set forth for them to do? And, and he, I mean, he, we and him had a conversation. It probably lasted 20 or 20 minutes or so. And I said, well, I, I think this is, this is a good topic for, yeah. for Thursday. Yeah, he said, yeah. oh, I'd love to talk about it. So That's good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So um, that means this might stretch a little bit longer than that. But we've got a bookmark, so we're good to go. Uh, David and Goliath. We all heard this story. I hope. Maybe not. I don't know. Is that assuming too much? Anyway. I hope we have. But it's a pretty popular one. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and read it again and see what God has to say about it. So this is uh, 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sochoth. Socho. Soco? S-O-C-H-O-H. Socho? Socho. I'm going to Socho. Sounds good. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Socho. Socho. Which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Socho and Azekah, Azekah, so Socho and Azekah, in Ephes, uh, Demim. In Ephes, Demim, man, I tell you. So they decided to gather their army between Socho and Azekah and Ephes, Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. And drew up a battle array against the Philistines and said, Those Philistines are in an area uh, where the names are really strange. It doesn't actually say that. And drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. Oh boy, so we got two mountains 
valley in between them. I like them, where this is going. And sounds like they're probably, you know, taunting each other and throwing rocks and old tomatoes and just generally <laughs> having a, you know, we hate you thing going on. Anyway. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, I don't know. Assuming a cubit is from the, the, the forearm, the elbow to the fingertip, it's generally accepted that a cubit is about 18 inches, which is, like I said, generally accepted. Nobody knows exactly how long a cubit is, mainly because a cubit was the distance between your elbow and your, your, your longest finger. And so that's going to change between people. But anyway, it's about 18 inches. So with that being said, 18 inches, let's just say 18 inches. So a cubit, let's see, he said six, six cubits. So six times 18, which is 108, which if you divide that by 12, you get nine feet exactly. And it says sixteen. It says six cubits and a span. I don't know how long a span is. I'm gonna guess that it's shorter than a cubit. So half a cubit. Between about probably between nine and ten feet tall. He was tall. So anyway, big dude. Uh, let's see. Ba, 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 da, ba, ba. Where was I? Ah, yes. Six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Yikes. And he, had, and he had bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. I mean, you can just, it says a bronze javelin between dude. his shoulders, shoulders. So you can kind of see him. He's got the, he's like over, over his, you know, shoulders, resting his arms on it. Kind of like he was on the cross, you know, just kind of resting his arms on it. It's kind of like, he's you just know, chilling, just chilling, you know. Um, now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I would be. I mean, I think I'd be a little on edge. This guy could probably pick up his foot and stomp anybody. I <laughs> mean, now David was the son of that Ephrathite, from Ephrathah, Ephrathite, I guess, of Bethlehem and Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons, 
and the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. Uh, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went with him to battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, the Philistine drew near and represented himself forty days, morning and, uh, oh, and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. So basically just went He's out there, them. taunting them, putting on a little show, probably, you know, sticking his tongue out and spitting or whatever. I don't know. Um, twirling his little stick. Yeah, twirling his giant rod. <laughs> Let's see. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of the thousand. Cheeses, huh? Oh, I like cheese. Uh, and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp of the army, and was going out to fight, and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in a battle array against, against uh, in a battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadful. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that this man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Oh, la! It's funny. This scene, you know, if you, if you think about the way this plays out, and I know I'm really a kid at heart. Yeah, join the club. <laughs> but what I re like, what I picture in my head as this is going down here, I see the scene from Willow where they're looking for Mad Mardigan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bring him out. <laughs> it's like that's what I see going on here. Everybody, they've got Alora Dannon under the floorboard, just like don't don't notice us. Right, right. <laughs> I think it's funny, you know, then and now, uh, if I was exempt from taxes right now, I'd be a very happy dude. I know. Like, exceedingly happy. Think of all the extra money I'd have lying around. Well, yeah. On, I mean, honestly, I'm not joking. Yeah, no, me neither. You know, like, you know, if I, if I, if I was not taxed at all, and when, when uh, taxes, Lord have mercy. It's incredible how much we're taxed. My paycheck gets taxed. You get taxed at the food mart. I get taxed whenever I buy anything. Mm -hmm. There's not a thing that I can buy unless it's from you to me 
if it's anything that is a grocery store or gas station or convenience store or any kind of store, whether I'm buying a belt buckle, a saddle, or whatever, it's all going to be taxed. Yep. Again. Yeah. On and top so of my, your pay being my, taxed. my income is being taxed. Income tax. And then sales tax. Did you ever think about the fact that before you vote, before you're old enough to vote, before you are legally able to vote, you're being taxed? That doesn't make me happy. Yeah. Me neither. Before you're legally able to Technically, even before vote, you start getting a paycheck, you're taxed. Before you even get a yeah. paycheck, you're taxed. Why? Because a five-year-old can go to the grocery store and, and buy, buy a stick gum. of gum. <laughs> I was Dude, actually, we yeah. both had the same yeah. thought. You must have been a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was for a whole year. Yeah, it was, it was a fad. It was a fad. Yeah. Um, but, you know. It happens to him. And when he reaches up there, up there. And hands the the lady, you know, a buck and a half. What kind of gum were you buying? <laughs> I don't know. Gum, Gosh, gum can be expensive. It. Man, when I was buying a little piece of gum, it was like twenty five cents. Now that's that's up. not tested. that is up yeah. from when Dad bought gum. Oh wow! Well, she said yeah. it was ten cents. Bragging. Yeah, my dad used to do that too. Yeah. Son, twenty. 25%? The biggest burger I've ever eaten in my life cost a dollar. It's like, Dad, stop talking. 25 please. cents to go in and you could buy a, a little thing about double bubble. Just yeah, a, little, yeah, yeah. a little one piece. Regardless, whatever you're buying, unless it's from a gumball machine, it's going to be taxed. It's going to be taxed. Yeah. You know, you reach up there with a quarter. You're not just giving the lady a quarter. You're giving a quarter and, and a couple of pennies. Mm -hmm. You know, or if you're buying... I used to go buy a soda or something, which is always a dollar oh seven, you know, uh, just because they were trying to sell it for a dollar, but seven percent tax on goods, and so it turned out to be a dollar oh seven. And so, before you can even vote, you're being taxed. Congratulations, America! All that to say, if I could have all the money back right now from every tax that I've ever spent, I feel like I would have a lot more money. <laughs> anyway, so uh, where I mean, was I going go down with that? that train where was I that. going with that? Um, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. Will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. I, I like this. That's nice. Yeah, I like where they're going. That's with this. nice. Yeah. I mean, the daughter, that's nice. Riches, that's nice. Exempt from taxes? What? I'll take it. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> you yeah. want me? Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, the whole daughter thing, I wonder if this right here, you know, maybe started the trend, which, you know, you see in the Middle Ages, you know, the king, you know, has some great mission 
and um, who, whichever knight comes forth to take out this dragon on yon hill, I will give him riches and my daughter, the pretty hand of my lovely daughter. You know, right? That's a very medieval kind of you know yeah. romantic thing. Um, but it had to start somewhere. I wonder right. if this might be where it started. You know, I mean, that's you've got a king, you've got an enemy, kind of a dragon. You know, uh, Goliath, who's definitely bigger than everybody else. Right. Got this giant rod of a, you know, spear. Um, and he's constantly, you know, sitting over there blowing smoke and uh, uh, taunting. And so he's kind of a dragon character, if you will. And so the king has a, basically, it's a, it's a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. You know, go kill this guy, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and anybody that can do it. I'll make you rich, give you my daughter's hand in marriage. Uh, and the one thing that I didn't even think about, exempt from taxes. Oh, la. I know, right? I mean, golly, how bad were taxes back then? I mean, they're giving up daughters. It couldn't have been that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, you had me at taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Should be uh, on a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had me a taxes and then leave the Bible verse below it. Right, right. <laughs> People look that up and be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, King's daughter is a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, well, as far as I know, I mean, she could be buck toothed and hell. Who knows? But There's a lot know. of openings there, though. It's true. You're going to be able to rule the world. Yeah. Or at least that yeah. portion of it. Yeah. Which David had a couple of wives. Yeah, this so. is true. Some by honorable and everybody's got to start somewhere. Honorable means, <laughs> as we will find, he uh, is he is that uh, that guy that you yeah. you do and don't want to be. Yep. You know. Let's see. So moving on here. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, um, "What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel?" For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Wow. Man. He's already, you know, speaking fire. He's getting all out of And so the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Boy, Eliab over there. I saw everything, David. God's anointed you. You're special, you know. Um, and, but you're still a grubby little boy and my young brother. Right. You're my kid brother, my baby brother. Say it. Say it to me. When you're my God baby brother. You? Yeah. 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 What, what, what you going to do? Go over there and kill the guy? Come on. Come on. Come on. Get real. None of us are even going to do it. Right, right. You think you're going to do it? I mean, honestly, 
I've got a younger brother, brother Robert. Boy, if there was something that Robert could do and I couldn't, that made me just so mad. Oh my goodness, I was mad. There was a couple of times when there was like a puzzle or something that I was trying to work feverishly on. And mind you, back in my day when I used to do a bunch of puzzles, I was pretty good at them. You right. know, I was good, diligent, would figure them out relatively quickly. Every once in a while, there'd be some puzzle that just stumped me. And then Robert came by and worked on it for a while and eventually figured it out. And boy, that made me mad. Just be like, ooh, mm, go away. <laughs> <coughs> why did you have to do that you're so dumb it's like um he literally just solved the puzzle that you could so who's down yeah you know yeah, right <laughs> like, um but boy we see elia have uh eliab doing the same thing here the oldest brother and um uh eliab's anger was aroused against david why did you come down here and with you yeah it's like you're supposed to be looking after the sheep bruh you know, go look after the sheep, man. Who'd you leave them with? You know, uh, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you come down here to see the battle. It's like, yeah. You think since God's anointed you, you can do anything, huh? Yep. He's <laughs> like, um, that's kind of how, how it works. works. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, well, we'll go ahead and start there with the reproach from his older brother. Stop there. Yeah. And uh, uh, we're going to. Take, Take a break. A wee little bit of break and be right back to finish up. All right. We are back and back. Yes, we are. Okie dokie. So, um, I found some uh, funny little things. About Texas. This is from a website called Best Life. It's 20 crazy facts about Texas. So I'm just going to read some of these because they're pretty good. There's one Texas ranch that's bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. Rhode Island is... Not very big. Itty bitty. I think from widest to... From the widest... The widest part of Rhode Island is I think like 32 or 34 miles wide. Um, but anyway... The King Ranch in South Texas covers 1,289 square miles. Compare that to the size of the entire state of Rhode Island, which is 1,212 square miles. That's about seven times the size of Manhattan. So, Rhode Island, you small. I hope you have a big heart. Now, granted, they're capital has a longer a longer name than a lot of capitals so i guess if you have a small state you need a big long capital name i guess what is it it's providence right mm -hmm. providence rhode island austin is small i don't know small state so in retrospect name. here rhode island as a whole is three times the size of Asheville. really <laughs> really Rhode Island you need, to, you, need to, you need to be buried about you know 18 inches down and then maybe in a couple of months you'll grow into something a little bit bigger if, if you're watered periodically nothing against Rhode Island but you small 
you know that though. Um, yeah, it's twelve hundred square square miles. I thought this was hilarious. One Texas town rescheduled Halloween because it conflicted with football. Man, this foot uh, Texas football is no joke. In fact, in two thousand fourteen, the small town of Decatur, I know where that is, voted to reschedule Halloween to October thirtieth because the October thirty first date would have conflicted with the local high school's Friday night Friday night football game. Makes total sense, but that's not all. Nearly 14% of the state's high school stadiums boasted video, uh, uh, boast video sco- scoreboards, and the high school football game with the all-time highest attendance rate was a 2013 playoff game that brought together 54,357 fans. Wow, that's crazy. So this one's pretty funny. Texas is pretty quirky, and all it takes is a look at its legal code to see that. The state still has plenty of strange, antiquated laws that will definitely raise your eyebrows. For instance, it is illegal to sell your eye, to dust a public building with a feather duster, to milk somebody else's cow, and to shoot a buffalo from the second story of a hotel. Why? That's just why you absolutely cannot let a camel run loose on the beaches of Galveston. On the other hand, it's totally legal for you to shoot and kill Bigfoot if you happen to see him out and about. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. What in the world happened to pass this law that it's illegal to shoot a buffalo from the second story of a hotel? You know it had to have happened. That that, that, that had to have happened in order for that to have become a law. I just want to know what Texan, when... Made that happen. Well, who lost a buffalo? Right, right. I mean, why was it running through town? What year was this? Was this in like the eighteen nineties? Who had a gun in a hotel that could shoot a buffalo? Oh, I'm not doubting somebody having a gun in the second story. Why second story? Yeah, why second? What about the first and the third story? Or the tenth story? I guess those are free game. I guess. Yeah. See what I did there? Free game. I see. (laughs) But why the second story? Too many questions. So many questions. It wasn't questions. as interesting as the first. What? Story. Oh, I guess. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that you're not allowed to milk somebody else's cow. I guess that's... I mean... hope we're referring... I guess they just to had like too many people milk? stealing like, milk. I don't know. Is that is that referring Ma, to stealing milk? They're after the cow again. They're gonna be squeezing the udders and getting their milk. I don't know. So many questions. I mean, so we're going to worry about stealing milk and not the cow. Yeah. I feel like that's less of a problem. If you steal right. the cow, then I have issues. Yeah, but stealing the milk? I guess if you were stealing all the milk and I needed it. I just, I don't know. That's that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So here's interesting. Texas is bigger than you think it is. I mean, I knew that. Clocking in at 268,497 square miles, Texas is larger than every country, country in Europe and could easily fit a handful of European countries within its borders. In fact, if you strategically juxtaposed the shape of Texas over a map of Europe, 
You could cover the cities of Paris, Prague, Milan, Amsterdam, Brussels, Munich, and Florence, not to mention one in every 12 Americans uh, live in, lives in Texas. When you say everything's bigger in Texas, you're not kidding. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was pretty funny because, you know, growing up, we had a lot of people like, you know, you say everything's bigger in Texas, but I'm like 6'5", and I've, uh, I'm taller and bigger than any Texan that I've ever met. It's like, well... Being a Texan doesn't mean that you're going to be, like, you know, 10 feet tall. We're not giants. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a more uh, a metaphorical thing, you know? Yeah. Like, the ego, oh boy, that's big in Texas. Yeah. Every, every state bridge you drive under has got a carved out image of Texas. Okay. They love the shape of their state. Every convenience store you go to is going to have some sort of shot glass or something with Texas <laughs> on it, you know. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, Texas pride is a big and real thing. Um, and I think it's overblown a lot, but... It's fun. Fair. It is fun. But there's also good reason, <laughs> you know. Uh, Texans are very proud of being Texan. And, like, my cousin Wyatt, um, who claims Texas, he's never lived in Texas, but he was born in Texas. And so he's like, well, I was born there, so I get to claim it. Which is the way, you know, I mean, you could claim anywhere in the world, but if you were born in Texas, you're going to claim Texas. Right. You know, that'd be, I mean, that just makes sense. Um, but anyway, so he went to Belgium. For the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Waterloo, he is a reenactment, and uh, he never told a soul that he was from North Carolina because that'd be kind of like I'm from North Carolina, and they'd be like, "Okay, and your point is, like, that's okay, good for you, I guess." That's nice. And so he told everybody, "I'm from Texas." Hey, he's from Texas. Wow, how cool is that? You know? You know? Uh, so, anyway, um, all that to say, uh, I think uh, I think we've said about enough for this podcast, and we're going to go ahead and close out here. So, uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Uh, tune in then, and uh, adios. Adios. Hey guys, Brug Lance with the Texans Take Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us, listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more.